Well, I don't know if you know that today is the baptism of our Lord Day. <laughs> if you're following the lectionary calendar, this is the day that we celebrate Jesus's baptism. Obviously, we're moving pretty fast uh, from Christmas. Christmas apparently was 30 years ago, and now we are at baptism, Luke 3, although I guess it's only, right, it's one chapter, so it's not a huge, huge shift. But when we read this passage today, when Jason read this passage today, the line that always sticks out to me, at least right at the beginning, there's a lot of lines that stick out to me. Maybe the line that stuck out to me today was expectation, fulfilling with expectation. We just came through Advent, of course, which is a you know season of waiting. And even in Epiphany, it's a season of expectations. Jesus has not begun his ministry yet. But we see these people out in the desert filled with expectations filled with hopes and thoughts about what is going on, what could be, what might be. And I think, obviously, the easy application is, what are the things that we are expecting? Do we have expectations like that? Do we resonate with those expectations? Where are your hopes directed? Where are your expectations today? My expectations are, obviously, for an end of COVID. This is a picture of the future of people dancing when COVID's over, no one's wearing masks, it's beautiful. That's a hope I have. I think that's one that we all resonate with. Another hope I have is that the Sabres will someday make the playoffs ever again, or that I will watch the Bills game today, which got flexed to one o'clock so I can be here with you all and see the entire Bills game. I don't get to do that that often, so that's really great. I have a hope that I will finish the lectures that I have to post tonight for my online class. That is an expectation and a hope that I have. These are more mundane expectations, I think. And all of these expectations have different levels, right, of hope and expectation. Some of those I expect with certainty that I will see the Bills game. I don't know if they will win, but I will see that, see the game. Some of these I expect with confidence. I expect with confidence that COVID will be over, right? Fingers crossed, knock on wood. And I, ex I expect with some trepidation that the Sabres will ever make the playoffs again. I'm not sure about that. And with some serious doubt that I'll actually get my lectures done on time. But I have different levels of expectation, different levels of hope, and thoughts about the future. I have to imagine that the people that were gathered with John had some great expectations as well. Probably greater expectations than anything I laid out, except maybe COVID, but maybe even greater than that. They've apparently made trips from far and wide to go to the desert to meet some sweaty-toothed madman in the desert named John the Baptist. That's a Dead Poet Society reference, if anybody caught that. If not, you need to see that movie. It's great. And maybe that's a good reference, I think, the, uh, the Dead Poet Society, because maybe, the John, maybe John the Baptist was like their Professor Keating. He was going out and amping them up and preparing them to seize the day, right? Carpe diem, as you said, for a new life, uh, a new expectation for life. And he certainly did inspire him so much so that they asked, is he the Messiah? I have not inspired my students that much that they've thought that about me. Not that I am trying, not that I have a Messiah complex. But why was that? Why did he have that sort of level of inspiration for them? Was it because of all the warm fuzzies that he told them and gave them? I mean, made them feel good inside? that he promised inner peace and fulfillment. Maybe there was really good worship music out there in the desert. Maybe it was like Coachella, like first century Coachella, 
meeting in the desert. Who knows? Like maybe it was a really big deal, a whole experience that drew them up. So, I mean, maybe they were just, the warm fuzzies were overwhelming. So let me, hold on, let me check my text on John the Baptist. Okay. Acts at the root of the tree, you brood of vipers, coming wrath, chopped down and tossed in the fire. I would have to say he is not the best motivational speaker that I have ever encountered. Uh, I wonder if I need to change my approach then. Maybe some more fire and brimstone would send us far and wide following me around. Again, no Messiah complex. But what sort of expectation was this? It wasn't an expectation in themselves, in some sort of self-fulfillment, or John's message would have been enough to drive them away pretty quickly. It wasn't an expectation in how great they were and how they might be fulfilled and brought to their true selves or however we might say that. But they signed up for a vision of the world. And Luke tells this vision of the world right at the beginning. He has a quotation from Isaiah 43 through 5, a vision of mountains being brought down, of valleys being raised up, of people all flesh seeing the salvation of God. And that salvation is not a warm fuzzy either. It's not just a good feeling in their hearts, but it is a a total redefinition of the way that the world is according to justice and peace. Our oppressors will be gotten rid of, where all people will share, will experience the jubilee life, right? Reading a little bit into it, but it is this new world. And the people that were there bought into that vision. They expected this, and they were very happy about it. They wanted to see it. Whatever whatever names John called them, whatever vipers they might be uh, considered to be, they wanted on board with this because they believed this is what God was doing. But it's a threatening message, too. The people that heard this, like Herod, found this to be a threatening message. The other Gospels just say that John was critiquing Herod's choice of romantic dalliances, which is enough. It's enough to be critiquing a ruler in power at this time at all. But Luke makes sure this was, and all of the other evil that he did, he is calling out Herod's mal-use of power. And John proclaiming this message and this vision of Isaiah was threatening. But this was the hope of expectation for these people. And what's interesting is in Luke's version, Jesus, I mean, they, Jesus comes in all the synoptics, but Jesus comes too, but he doesn't come, like in Matthew, it says, oh, we have to do this to fulfill righteousness. And it's this expectation that Jesus knows, well, I'm the Messiah and all of these things happen. What it says in Luke is just Jesus came with the rest of them. It's as if Jesus, not quite sure yet of what his identity is, or not really working it out. He just comes. Jesus too had this expectation. Jesus, too, believed in this vision, and he trusted John's message. What was Jesus expecting? I mean, but he's God. He has to know all of these things. Well, it seems, whatever it is, Luke gives us a very human presentation. He comes to baptism as an act of humility, as an act of surrendering himself to God, and not just to God, but the God of this new reality of this new order that they didn't just see as some distant you know view of heaven 
but of something they wanted to live into now and they were doing and they were putting together on the margins here in the desert, away from the civilized places and the places of authority. Jesus's baptism, he yields himself completely to this. And in doing so, he is reminded who he is. In doing so, he's reminded of what his identity is. And it's interesting, in Luke, it doesn't even happen at the baptism. There's no, there's no dove that happens, just that it's as if he's by himself and he's praying. He has done this commitment and he goes and prays, which is so important in Luke. If you go everywhere, Jesus is praying and praying and praying. It drives along what he's doing. And in this prayer, the sky opens up, the spirit descends, fluttering like a dove, like the spirit over creation. And a voice says, you are my son, in you I find happiness. You, Jesus, are that one that John was talking about. And John talks about that one as one who has more authority than he possibly could ever have, one that was stronger than him, one whose sandals John was not worthy to untie, and Jesus still comes in complete submission and yieldedness to God. In a complete place of, of humbleness, without expecting any sort of grandiose visions of himself. And from there, everything begins. The baptism of John starts that ministry that he goes forth. Here he is told that he is the son, the son of God. And then he goes, we have a genealogy that ends with son of God. He goes to the temptation immediately after that. And Satan says over and over again, if you are the son of God, thinking, well, I can fool him just like I have everyone else. He goes to Nazareth immediately after that, and everybody says, isn't this Joseph's son? And we all know, we've read, the, we've read the story. It's not Joseph's son, it is Jesus, or it's God's son, Jesus. And then right after that, when they say, is this Joseph's son, a demon shouts out, you are the son of God. It's really interesting. But this, this coming to turn, he comes in baptism, and he finds out who he is, and he finds out his identity, and that is the beginning of everything. This Sunday on the church calendar, as I said, is the baptism of our Lord Sunday. It is also time to remember our own baptism. This is actually a picture of my baptism. I don't know if you knew that. I'm sure that all of yours looked very similar. Is your baptism still meaningful for you? Do you reflect on it? Do you think about it? I expect, if you're like me, probably not um, that often. But this Sunday is a good Sunday to remind ourselves of that. This Sunday is a good Sunday to think about what it was that we did and the commitment that we made. It is in baptism, like Jesus learned who he was, that we learn who we are. Not in some vague sense, like, oh, we're also God's calling us, say, you're a son or daughter, and you are a son or daughter. We are not the Messiah. Jesus's identity is important, and our baptism is about Jesus and being baptized into, into him. We are witnesses of that reality. It is in baptism that we learn who we are, but in a world with so many competing stories about fulfillment and self-fulfillment, we will be fulfilled by uh, what we buy, by the authentic identities that we construct, by what we rebel against. 
does baptism make any sense in that world? In a world where we are so concerned to construct ourselves and to consume for ourselves. In a world where advertisers, self-help gurus, and marketing professionals have built our economy on manufacturing desires for self-fulfillment and finding our authentic selves, where we seek belonging as loosely bound individuals connected by ever more specific and minute interests, connections which can be as fleeting as the interests and shifting identities that we create. In this world of self-creation, what sense does Jesus' call to pick up your crosses make? But here we are, by God's grace, a community baptism, a community that at one point or another, despite the ups and downs that we experience all the time together as a community and in ourselves, the joys and difficulties, the faith and the doubt, despite that, we have yielded ourselves in whole over to God. And that is our identity in our baptism have yielded ourselves, or we are those who seek that journey, who maybe one day will be baptized. And why do we gather to live out that identity, to live out that reality of those who have committed to follow Jesus in that way, to give ourselves over to this mission? We do not gather to simply see a show. There are much better shows out there. There's much more, <laughs> better things I'd rather be watching on TV on Sundays. Probably the bills, right? The season's almost over. We do not gather, I think, simply to be inspired. I don't think that my preaching is that good. We don't gather simply to be fulfilled on Sundays, but we gather as a community that is seeking Jesus's path of peace together through our entire lives. On Sunday is the time that we figure that out and we fellowship we have solidarity, we talk, we hope, not as the end all of our lives on Sundays, the complete fulfillment of everything that we have in the entire journey on Sunday mornings, but as a respite along the journey, as a day of rest, as we continue to live out that call that Jesus gives us to Sabbath, to, or to Jubilee, to peace. We want to be, we, got, we were called and we were baptized because we believed in the message that Jesus spoke, because we believed in this path of peace. We believed that the world could be different, but that we would be different within it. We believed in this upside down kingdom, and we believed in the hope that Jesus has for us. And we committed to be those people that would find by whatever means we could, to put on Christ, to put on that walk, to bear our crosses, to live into resurrection life, and to be people of peace, who love our enemies, who do good to those who persecute us, and who seek to bring that sort of peace in a meaningful way in the world. So we are a community of witnesses to Jesus. This is also a picture of our community, Jesus in it, when he came to visit us that one time. We are a community of witnesses to Jesus. You are God's sons and daughters. Yes, that is your baptism identity. When you walk through the waters, God will be with you. 
When you walk through the fires, you will not be scorched. And that, of course, is a promise that is made to Israel by the prophet Isaiah, but we serve that covenant God. And we are that God's children. We are a community of witnesses to this Jesus, to the way of peace and enemy love in a world of violence, to a vision of the world turned on its head, mountains brought low, valleys lifted up, that in Jesus, by God's spirit, we can be a new creation. And so this Sunday, when we think about Jesus's baptism, may we come in the expectations of our own baptism, whether baptized or journeying. For the baptized, that the hopes that brought us to the waters may be rekindled. I pray that those hopes may be rekindled, might be remembered, that we might be energized in this new year of new possibilities to walk that path of Jesus in concrete ways and to do it together, to be a people of meaningful peace. And though we may pass through the waters, as I said, God walks with us. We may walk through the fire, God will protect us by whatever means that is. We are bound together in the joy of God's spirit. And so my prayer is for us as a community that we find that joy together, that we find new ways of seeking that common path that we have always committed ourselves, but maybe depending on where you are, maybe you are raring to go and you are filled with zeal, or maybe you are just tired. I just pray that we find a joy and a vision and a hope to be that people together in new ways. We have an energy for this community, for the mission of Jesus, for the way of peace, a sense of calling to something greater than ourselves, and that we find common cause in it. And so that's my prayer, that we might have joy together as a community in new ways, with new energy and a common hope together in the faithfulness of God and in each other. Amen.